Hello everyone, I hope that you guys are doing well. It has been a while since I've recorded a podcast. I've had a few other things on the go that I'll share at a later date, Um, but really I have no good excuse except that I fell out of routine and it's a good reminder of how important our routines and our habits are to us. So without further ado, I think I'm going to call this podcast All Things Green and it's a mashup of a few less conventional ways of farming and kind of just a collection of some things that I have uh, seen folks try this year and this is in no way, shape or form me telling you what to do, how to farm, not even really my opinion on these things but more so just what I've seen and how they've worked out and so if it's if there's some topics that you may have been thinking of trying or looking for a resource on maybe this will be insightful for you so the four main things that I wanted to cover in this podcast are planting greens so planting corn or soys um, into a cover crop in the springtime planting into cereal stubble so more so for uh, the livestock folks planting into something like triticale oats or forage crop after wheat and lastly i'm going to cover my personal experience so far with broadcast wheat into a standing soybean crop so those are the four things i'm going to cover today i'll get rolling Planting corn into a green cover crop in the spring or planting soys for that matter. Uh, I've seen this quite a few times now. I've seen some growers have success with it. I have seen growers have less success with it. My thoughts basically are that I do find that having green material in the spring tends to keep the ground a little bit wetter. Um, And sometimes it could just be too that folks are pushing the conditions a little bit, but I do find that it keeps it just a little bit wetter in the springtime. And so I have seen more success with this on your lighter soils, you know, your sands, your nice loams, the higher the clay, clay content, I find the less success that you have because it is really tough um, to avoid sidewall compaction uh, if conditions are a little bit too wet and just tougher to have a really nice even seed bed. So my preferences, um, you know, I like cover crops, definitely. I definitely understand the attraction towards wanting to have uh, green plant life throughout the fall, winter, and into spring, you know, basically as long as we can. But I do see a benefit to having that plant material nice and brown and crispy you know, going into our our planting season, absolutely. And also just a caution with some species, you know, some species are definitely tougher to control in the spring, like to come back to life more than others. So just to be careful with what species you're playing around with. I do really like strip till in the fact that it allows folks to kind of get away with having green into the spring without you know causing some of the problems that i've mentioned it's a really nice compromise especially if you're trying to 
plant green or use more cover crops in heavier clay situations because it still allows you to get some fall tillage and then get some spring tillage in there, get things warmed up like some of that ground needs. So I know there's going to be all kinds of people that disagree with me or have had different experiences, but like I said, that's just my experience on it. I like to see things nice and brown and crispy in the spring. If you're strip tilling, I think maybe you can get away with having a bit more green material in the spring, but that's just been what I have seen. Have quite a few, I shouldn't say quite a few, have a few livestock growers uh, that I've seen have pretty good success with planting fall triticale. Some guys are using rye. I personally have just had more experience with triticale, so that's what I'm going to speak to you. Planting fall triticale, you know, first or second week of September and then taking it off as forage usually ends up coming off the third week of May, sometimes not until the first week of June, but usually around that, that third or fourth week of May is when that would be coming off. Uh, and then afterwards going back in and planting corn or planting soybeans. I've seen this work with a lot of success. Now I have personally seen this on what I would call a, a nice loam or a sandy loam. I have not seen this on some of the heavier ground. So take that with a grain of salt there. A couple notes on how to make this as successful as possible. That triticale is going to need to be sprayed off. It will start to regrow and obviously you don't want that to interfere with your corn or your soybean crop. But you can't get out there and spray it too early. So I have found the sweet spot tends to be around 10 to 12 days after that triticale has been harvested. Uh, really interestingly, so this year had a grower who went out there and cut his triticale and uh, was using a triple mower, but one section of that mower was actually set lower than the others. And so he sprayed it off, yeah, 10 to 14 days afterwards. And then, um, you know, I was out there scouting and there's strips throughout the field where the triticale has greened back up again. And I'm like, gosh, that's bizarre, right? And so I'm out there and I, I kept measuring these sections and I realized what had happened was it was only one section of the mower. And so I later learned from him that, yeah, it was set lower. So when it was sprayed, there was not enough uh, top growth to absorb enough of the Roundup to get good control of that. So that was a really, really cool visual to see and a very good reminder that we need to allow for enough top growth, you know, that we're going to get a good kill on that triticale that's coming back up. Um, but also don't want to leave it too long that it's going to interfere with our next crop. So most situations where I've seen guys plant into this has actually been no-till. Reason being mostly is by the time we get into the later weeks of May or the beginning of June, usually it ends up being the beginning of June by the time a second crop is planted. Some guys will try and get manure on. Um, or just want to wait a bit, let that triticale regrow. So it usually ends up being, you know, the first or second week of June, but by the time that crop gets planted. And by then, we may be in a wet period, but ground starts to dry out a little bit more, and we have to be a little bit more careful that we're going to have enough moisture to get that crop up and going. 
And so I have seen a lot of guys uh, decide to no-till as opposed to working that up. And the fact that we're that much later in the spring season and we've also removed quite a bit of the residue from the surface are the two big reasons why I think that we can have a lot of success with this. You might be listening to this thinking it's so ironic, you know. Um, she's recommending that we don't plant green in the spring and then here she is saying that we can go ahead and plant into this triticale stubble, but the ground conditions by the time you get to June 1st are quite a bit different than what we are working with on May 1st. They're typically just that much warmer and that much drier. And so I think that's why we can have a little bit more success with this. The no-till also works really nice because then you're not dealing with big clumps of root mass in the spring that haven't had a chance to break down. It's not like wheat stubble where it's got the winter to break down. So you end up with some more root balls. So I prefer the no-till approach if you're on ground where you can get away with that. And uh, someone, you know, obviously that's got a, a good planting unit that's set up for no-till, but have seen pretty good success with, with corn afterwards and definitely beans as well. So that's definitely something to think about if you're short on feed. One other thing that I should mention too, uh, just in terms of controlling that regrowth on the triticale and this goes for rye as well or even volunteer wheat and I think I've mentioned this maybe in a previous podcast but I got a really good reminder of it this spring we had some cold weather I want to say May 13th May 14th no it must have been later than that May 23rd May 24th right around there we had some cold weather and I had some triticale that had been cut already and was resprayed, and um, we had some very cold weather, like less than six degrees, I would say, after that had been sprayed, and it wasn't really intentional. It just, you know, was colder than what it had been forecasted to be, and got really poor control of triticale had this with rye this spring as well. Just again, a really good reminder when you're trying to get control of that you need to have enough top growth, but you also need to have good warm conditions when that crop is actively growing. Next thing, also more so geared towards the livestock producers, just a couple of thoughts on oats and forages after the wheat comes off. So if you are growing oats, for feed after your wheat comes off. I do like to see those get in fairly early. Um, you know, if you can wait a couple weeks, get that volunteer wheat sprayed off and then get your oats in. I think it's nice to get it in a bit on the earlier side. Gives you flexibility to get that cut and harvested before we get into wet fall conditions. Uh, just a couple of reminders on that. If you're growing oats for feed, they must get a fungicide. It seems like every year we end up with rust and honestly, it just is such an incredible yield reduction and I, it cannot be nice for the livestock. I don't believe that it's as palatable. Somebody might tell me that I'm wrong on that, but I believe that I've heard that. But really just, you know, if you're going to the work to grow that crop, the yield reduction is quite significant. So definitely uh, need to be managing that crop with a fungicide. Also in terms of nitrogen, 
sometimes we tend to treat that crop just as a cover crop and think that it's just gonna grow on its own <laughs> without much help from us but i definitely noticed a lot this year in some situations where guys had just gone out with a few thousand gallons of liquid dairy manure and it wasn't quite enough and uh, you could actually see where there had been overlap on the headland or a couple passes from 28 earlier in the season uh, for the wheat crops so there was some end left over in those areas that had overlap and the oats really responded to it so a good reminder that we need to be putting on a healthy dose of N for that oat crop uh, just to get you know the most that we can out of that crop. If you're just looking at oats for cover crops um, I personally don't tend to really add much N to that. I more so want to see root mass there. Some guys will spray it for rust, other guys won't. It really just depends on what your goal is but I do find that you can get away with planting a little bit later um, one thing that you do risk if you get out there too soon with your oats is having a lot of residue to control in the spring, like if you just plan to leave it in the fall, so just a bit of a caution there. Last thing that I wanted to talk about with all of the wet weather this fall, I think this is maybe something that could be a fit for folks on some heavier ground, something that we've tried this year and that is uh, broadcasting wheat into standing soybeans um, rather than drilling it in. So this is definitely not my idea. Uh, the folks up at Blue Water Agrimart um, did some of this last year. And if you know that area at all, you know that there is a lot of heavy ground up there. Not a lot of it is tiled and it's really tough to get wheat in in the fall. And if it's not in, you know, by the end of September, the chances of having it survive or be a good crop the next year are kind of slim and uh, not always the best corn growing ground and so sometimes it tends to see you know two or three years of beans in a row so it's really nice when you can get cereals in there so had seen this this work and uh, tried it for ourselves this year so blue water has got a high clearance unit with an air boom on it um, they went in and broadcast the wheat. We went at a pretty high rate, like definitely higher than what you would be going with a drill. And with all the rain that we've had, we got a pretty good catch of wheat this fall. It's nicely rooted right now, so one fear with putting wheat on top of the soil surface rather than getting it in, you know, an inch or so deep is that it is definitely more subject to frost heave. So we'll have to monitor that and assess it in the spring and see how it's looking. But my personal thoughts are that it's had so much time and so much warm weather this fall to get rooted that I think it's going to be anchored okay. In terms of combining, by the time that we got to it, definitely there was some overlap between you know the top of the wheat and those bottom bean pods. But it did combine okay. It was a bit slower. I definitely had to get kind of during the middle of the day when the dew wasn't on the wheat. But um, otherwise, you know, it, it really wasn't as bad as you think that it might be. So I'm, I'm definitely not telling everyone to abandon the drills and go try this. I'm just saying that in some regions, it could be something to look at. And, you know, Haldeman, Niagara, where it is 
definitely tougher uh, to get weed in in the fall sometimes if you get wet weather like this and that ground definitely could use a rotation. Now, not every fall is it gonna be like this. I mean, if we'd had three weeks of dry weather in September, that obviously would have been a very different story. So it's more of a risk. I also would say like the yield potential, I don't believe is quite there compared to drilled wheat. However, you know, if you could take a 10 or 20 bushel hit compared to what you think would be a good drilled wheat yield planted, you know, middle third week of September, I think that might be realistic. I have seen wheat broadcast on in the fall after soybeans before and then vertical tilled in afterwards and definitely seen, you know, more significant yield impacts than that. But I think that we can recover a little bit of that just by the fact that it's going on so much earlier. So like I said, it's not going to be for everyone. Um, feel free to reach out to me if you have questions or want to know how we make out with this next summer. I'm definitely happy to share that for sure. So that's it. That's all that I have for you guys today. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that this weather turns around so that everyone can get back in the fields and uh, get the rest of their crops off. Hope that you're seeing some bumper crops wherever you're at. Take care, guys.